to us. And with Lord, we thank you for sending your son to die and pay it all for us. I just pray that your presence would be here with us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned at the welcome, uh, this morning is a really special morning. Uh, we have Sanjay with us with LCMI, and then a number of, of, of this, this family stepped out with Sanjay and his ministry to be in India this past winter and got to serve in a special needs camp. And for those of you that may not be, you kinda, we have a kind of a, a Western understanding of India. We kind of understand the caste system that is technically not there anymore, but still has left its imprint on the, on the country. Uh, and special needs, uh, children especially, kind of special needs people, kind of the cast, they're at the bottom and kind of outcast in that society. So a uh, phenomenal opportunity to embrace kind of the heart of Bethany, and that is uh, walking alongside and serving those disconnected from families. So that's what we got to do this, this winter. Uh, and all of you took part as you kind of been praying, sending, uh, even contributed financially to that experience. So with that said, I've asked uh, Sanjay and the rest of the team, if they want to come on up, I'd love for them uh, you to see the team and kind of just hear a little bit about that experience and kind of what took place there this winter. They're going to grab some microphones, and I like all the authentic dress, and I, I kind of joked with them earlier. I said, you know, Sanjay, who's the full-time representative. <laughs> we do dress like this, too. You, you, <laughs> yes, you do dress like that. That's good. <laughs> so anyway, so with that said, this is Sanjay, and I'll let Cliff you introduce, just go ahead and introduce okay, this. Okay, this is a team uh, that went to India, and we had a wonderful time, and, and the Lord just used each person in a special way. They used, God used our gifts in a special way. It's Gerald Souter and uh, Larry and Cindy Fox and my daughter Ashley and Gene Pierce and his daughter Emily, who can't be here this morning, uh, was along, and, and Brother Sanjay. We had a wonderful time. Uh, so Excellent. go ahead. Thank you, Cliff. I appreciate that. I want to thank the Lord for this morning and the opportunity to come and stand before you and declare God's marvelous deeds. Uh, Pastor Adam just briefly talked about, you know, the special needs. And it is, it is indeed, you know, if you have a special needs child in our country, you, you just, you're not the most, uh, you know, liked person, so to speak. You're in the bottom of the barrel. Uh, in fact, you are almost like an untouchable. We've had parents, moms who have brought their sons to our camps where dad would not even touch the cup of his son's cup. I mean, that is just uh, horrible. And you see the agony of this mother hearing the gospel, tasting the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, and this conflict that is going on in their hearts. But grace to, uh, praise to God that the power of the gospel that us is changes lives. And we have had uh, numerous uh, opportunities to see moms grandfathers, grandparents giving their life to the Lord at our special needs. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. And so thank God for the opportunity to share with you. I was asked to just share with something that God is doing through our ministry. You know, for the longest of the time, one of the, th for one of the things that I pray for every single day is that, Lord, give us opportunities to and open up doors of effective work. And that is exactly what Paul prayed in his writing to Colossians as, as the church. You are studying that. Chapter 4, verse 2. He asked specifically to pray for open doors of effective work. And we've been praying that. And I think God has continued to answer. And we are just seeing it more in a very clear way. 
We are just uh, came off from a, a survey trip from two of my staff on the ground. Uh, they went and visited and surveyed two states. And uh, we are grateful to God that both the states, God has given us a clear, clear direction to go and do camps at these at this two states. One of the states that we're going to do is called Orissa State. And I'm sharing this here because I like us to just pray for us in that regard. It is a state that is known for a tremendous and hard persecution. In fact, one of the pastors that we're going to be working with along in, in this coming October, his own son was killed for the sake of the gospel. Yet this brother, this pastor, is saying, I want to reach my children in my community. And so we want to stand with him and his church and do a camp there. We are excited about that wonderful open, open doors that God is doing. Along with that open opportunity to do more camps, one of the things that has been a tremendous burden our hearts, as we do especially special needs camps, we see these kids are hopelessly left out. They need somebody, and we were hearing this morning from Village of Hope Ministry, to somebody to come and genuinely love them and care for them. And so we're just trusting God. We tried to do a group home last a year and a half ago, we ran into tremendous opposition in that area. But after getting some counsel locally on the ground, we are now trusting God by the end of the first quarter next year that the Lord will allow us to open our first group home in Agra, which is all the way in the north where Taj Mahal is. So pray along with us. This is, there's a lot of hurdles to cross, a lot of opposition, a lot of political red tape that is involved in it. But pray that God would break those and allow us to go and start our first group home in Agra, city of Agra. We're excited about that. We also are thankful to God that we've started a new initiative called CDC, Community Development Center. It is an opportunity for us to not only to reach the child, our camper, at our camp, give them the spiritual food, but then to go into the community that they're coming from and then impact the whole community. And we want to train some of the sisters and the mothers who are sending their children and their brothers and nephews to the camp by coming along them and training them in the area of tailoring so that they can go and make a living. And in all of this to do and share that the gospel is powerful, not only just for spiritual food of life transformation, but to stand along with that family, that community, and show them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's part of our follow-up mechanism as a ministry. We are right from the beginning of our ministries in 2005. One of the things that I know God has burdened my heart is not only just do the camps and just forget about these kids. The remaining part of the life of the year, we want to be with that child. And we invest a lot of time and resource of our personnel to go and visit literally every single camper that comes to our camp. And thanks to the Lord. I can share more in detail, but I want to spare the time for our friends here. Thanks, Sanjay. Morning, Bethany. First, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sending us and blessing us with your support, not only financially, but in the prayer while we were there. So thank you so much for partnering with us as we went. And I just want to tell you this morning what a tremendous privilege and blessing it was to be able to go and work where God is already working to be obedient to the great commission that we've been given to take this precious gospel of Jesus Christ into all the corners of this earth. And I want to tell you this morning a special report about a young man that really touched my heart. His name is Murley. And he's um, 
about 18 years old now, but he started in this camping program with LCMI in 2006. And through the years participating in the camping program and through the outreach provided by LCMI, uh, reaching out to support him in Jesus Christ, not only himself, but his entire family, this young man has progressed through the years. Uh, LCMI has a program called the Mustard Seed Program where they uh, have the ability to provide financial support to children that have needs. And they also have Raising Josiahs. It's a program that is used to develop young men in Christian character to be of service to the Lord. And I'm just very, very pleased to report to you that this past February when we were at Camp Deccan, that Neurally was there participating as a counselor in training, as a junior counselor providing care for the children as he once was there as a camper. And just such an awesome, awesome thing it is to see this cycle coming fully around where we invest in the Lord's work and then that work continues through that investment. So we were just very, very blessed with this. Um, I would just like to, to share a story as well. As we were uh, preparing, to, preparing for this trip, um, we, we prayed that God would use us to introduce people to Jesus and, um, and also that God in the, in, would touch our hearts and break our hearts with things that broke, break his heart. And he answered both of those prayers. And the one, one of the ways he did it, we met a little orphan boy his name was Ashwar, and he's about six years old, and he's deaf, and, and he's the most precious little boy, and he would come up to each one of our group, and he would grab our hand and want to take us to show us something, or, or sometimes he would just come and plop on our lap and just hang out, and he was just, just this precious little boy, but he had uh, a disability, and, um, and he didn't have, have parents, and so he was there with his grandpa, this old guy, precious old guy, but just, uh, just a unique guy. And um, so anyway, one evening, we were sitting around, our team was sitting around, and we were um, praying and sharing, and, and my daughter, Ashley, she looks over and she said, but who's going to take, who's going to tell Ashwar about Jesus? And, and I looked at our team, and it just, it was like God just moved in, and he just touched our hearts and each one of us was really had a broken heart for this little boy that needs to know about Jesus. He has a rough life and then to not know Jesus is just terrible. So that's what that's what I that's one of the reasons that we support LCMI because they're there. They they will continue to follow up with uh, little Ashwar, our little buddy and uh, and teach him about Jesus. But not only that, but for the grandparent, the grandpa that was there, uh, he was considering Jesus. You know, he, he just, uh, maybe the first time he heard about Jesus. And considering that, and, and he's this old, old guy taking care of his little grandson. And so it's just neat to see what they're doing and then follow up and helping them with their lives, not only teaching them about Jesus, but helping them with their whole life. And it's uh, just neat to be a part of that. And I also want to thank you, each, each one of you, for, for praying for us, for supporting us financially as we went, especially praying. You know, I, I'm more impressed with that, that the importance of prayer, because when we got back, about three of us were sick on the way back. Gene was really struggling, 
And, but during the whole trip, we were very healthy and, and uh, blessed. So thank you so much for, for praying. Awesome. I'm going to pray for you, uh, Sanjay and LCMI, and thanks to all of you guys. Um, and feel free to grab them afterwards. They'll be hanging around. Can't miss them. They're, they're uniquely dressed. I don't think there's anyone else here wearing clothes like this. So, so that's cool. Grab them. They love to tell their stories. I know all of them. I wish we had time this morning to just listen to all their stories. Uh, and grab Sanjay, too, and just, uh, again, let him just, again, loves to share what he's all about. One thing I wanted to mention is that his wife, Karen, and, and children are here as well. So I just wanted to welcome you as well. Okay, cool. Let me, let me pray. God, thanks so much for, um, uh, thanks for Cliff and his heart and his leadership here at the church and Gene and his leadership on this trip and then this whole team uh, that, that took a step, took a step into a culture that's very different from our Western American culture uh, with religious stuff and, and um, it's not normal to find Jesus at the street corners in India like it is here. Uh, so thanks for their willingness to go. Thanks for Sanjay's presence there and LCMI's presence. And I continue to pray for them as they move into these two states, uh, especially states where the gospel is not uh, welcomed. And God, my heart beats as I hear that pastor, uh, the story of that pastor. Um, I've got sons. And um, to face the reality of giving up a son uh, for the sake of the message of Jesus is a hard reality. Uh, and so, God, it, it just strengthened that pastor and his joy in the midst of suffering as he reaches his community um, with the message of Jesus. Uh, thanks for Ashwar, and, and just pray for his, his journey and his grandfather. And uh, pray that, again, you would bring them, though he's, uh, bring them to an understanding of what it means to be loved by you through Jesus. Again, thanks for LCMI. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.
your will, your way, it will be my joy to say. Your will, your way, it will be my joy to say. Your will, your way, always. It will be my joy to say. jump into the message where we're going to be continuing our series on Colossians where it's Jesus period. I mean, we don't add stuff to it and it's such a simple, beautiful message. I want to give one short announcement. The elders kind of asked me to talk to you guys about this and I think it's important to talk about. You've seen this wonderful kind of extra additional apparatus that I've had on me now for since February. Uh, it's not a fashion statement. I, I truly don't enjoy it very much. Um, but this week I get surgery on Tuesday and this was misdiagnosed early on, and it turns out that it is a tear, complete tear of the Achilles, and it is, it is separated over two inches, and so they've got to go in there and do all kinds of fun things, and I'll spare you what those fun things are. Suffice it to say, when he started talking me through the procedure, when I was sitting in his office, I almost passed out. I was like, oh my goodness. 
So he then said to me, you know, okay, two to three weeks when you're back. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I kind of have a desk job. I can, you know, sit around and do this. And I do a lot of lunch meetings, so this is good. And he said, no, 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 two to three weeks on your back, like foot above heart level to help circulation. So I'm like, wow. <laughs> so with that said, I am going to be two to three weeks on my back. Uh, and then six weeks, no weight bearing. So what that means is I won't be here with you guys through, we think, the whole month of May. Right now we've set Chris up. Uh, he's, Chris will be speaking the whole month of May. Um, I'm bummed because we have baptism coming up in here, and that is my favorite service. So I've, I'm, that was heartbreaking to me uh, to hear of life change. So that's a story. I'm, I'm looking forward to what God's doing. You know, those, those of you know, I was playing basketball. I was reaching out. I'm building relationships with some guys in the community that don't know Jesus, and I'm playing basketball with them, trying to, you know, say, God, you know, I really want to care for these people, and, and then this happens. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping, especially one of the guys comes to know Jesus out of this whole thing. So with that said, um, let me pray, and then we're going to jump into our message. We are in Colossians. That's before I pray, too. I want to mention we do have our new reading plan that's out. We, we run uh, three of these a year. Uh, again, this is the journal. If you're with us, if you have a journal, it's on page 16, the place to take some notes on the message. Um, if you don't have a journal, like a journal, they're free for the taking in the lobby. Just go ahead and grab that, and it's yours as long as you use it. With that said, let me pray, and then we're going to jump headlong into Colossians. God, thanks so much for Jesus. And um, would he be just at the center of all that we talk about here as we talk about growth and and um, what you're doing around the world. May we be drawn to Jesus. Uh, speak to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you turn with me to Colossians, again, if you're new to the Bible or maybe unfamiliar, uh, Colossians is, you'll see it kind of right there on the screen, three quarters of the way back through, there's a whole list of littler books there. Don't be embarrassed if you have to look at the table of contents. I have to do that at times too. Uh, so we thought we'd put the table of contents right up there in the wall for you. If you are new to the Bible and you, maybe you don't have a Bible, please see me afterwards and, uh, or someone out of the Welcome Center there. They would love to put a Bible in your hands. Or we have Wi-Fi here in the building and find a Bible app that you like and you could use that too. But Colossians chapter 1. Pick up with me at verse 1. We kind of introed this book last week, and we talked about this in Christ. Christ is in us, Jesus in us, if I'm a Christian, and I am in him. So that theme is going to kind of carry us through the whole book. But verse 1 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brothers. So again, just want to pause right there. And this is written by, a, this is a letter. This isn't really a, a novel or a book or, a, you know, sometimes we call it books of the Bible. It's actually a letter. It's written by a guy by the name of Paul. And, this little, and, and he's with this guy named Timothy. Who Paul is, for those who may be unfamiliar, Paul is a guy who would have an equivalent of a Ph.D. in religion, Jewish religion. He was passionate about the Jewish Old Testament scriptures, the early parts of our Bible, and he wanted those honored. And he did not believe the Jesus followers of the day, after Jesus died and rose again, he was creating this following, and Paul was like, those people have to go. Uh, so he spent his life killing, wiping out anyone who claimed the name of Jesus. Then Paul met Jesus himself, and his whole life changes. And he spends the rest of his life going around planting churches around the then-known world in a city of Colossae, where, where he was a part of one. And then he writes letters back to these churches, and that's what we have. You'll see there a lot of it are his letters. Now, so verse 2. 
He's with a guy named Timothy. Timothy is just a, a kind of a protege, a mentor, someone, a younger man that Paul is pouring into, kind of reproducing and, and sharing his life. Verse 2, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ. There's our phrase, in Christ, 17 times. So he's writing to people who are in Jesus at Colossae. We're going to talk about that. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Verse 3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ, there's our phrase again, in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. So he's writing to a group of people who were in Jesus. These are Christian people. It's a church. And the, I love his churches, how they're described. And I think this, we could describe Bethany this way. I've found this to be very true of Bethany. Uh, this church here is this is a group of people who are in Jesus and then love well. Now, verse 5 picks up. Really the heart of this morning, verse 5, 6, and 7. So he describes that faith that they have, the faith and love that spring. So where does this faith and where does this love come from? It comes from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel, if you're new to the Bible, it just simply means good news. And he's specifically referring to good news about Jesus. So this hope that's in the word of truth, the gospel, verse 6, that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit if you have an NIV Bible, and what? Say it with me. It's growing. So every time this message shows up, there's something that happens, and it's growth. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from, a, here's a teacher of theirs, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. So this beautiful picture in verse 5, it talks about this hope that you have. And when Jesus shows up, when the message of Jesus shows up, growth is the norm, not the exception. That's our heart here at Bethany. I mean, in our mission, we're here to introduce people to Jesus, embrace them as family, and help them to grow. Help us grow. That's the norm. It's kind of the normal expectation. So if I am in Jesus, if you're in Jesus, if you're a Christian, you should be growing. It's kind of the norm. And if you're not, it's actually abnormal. Uh, and same thing, when the message of Jesus shows up in India, you're going to hear about Guatemala here towards the end of the service. When the message of Jesus shows up, growth is kind of the norm. Now, we're drawn to growth. I've, I've seen this over and over. Think about the blogs that you read, the stories that are, you're drawn to, the novels. Think about the, the movies that you watch. When we see people overcome and change and grow and move, it inspires us all. But there's a reality with growth that I've watched, that growth, there's some thoughts of growth. When we hear this term growth, all kinds of ideas start flooding our hearts and minds. And some of those ideas actually, I believe, are counterintuitive to growth and slow growth down, if not shut it down altogether. So my heart this morning is to kind of just in a few minutes just talk briefly about those kind of things and just talk about what growth is so that we can continue to be people that are growing because of Jesus. And the, the overarching theme, I believe, is growth is about my trajectory, not my position. And what I mean by that, if you see in verse 5, it talks about the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. There's hope. You are headed somewhere. This week, again, if you're in a reading plan, it's not in the reading plan, but you want to add it to your journal this week. Philippians chapter 3, same writer, same author. He writes and he says, listen, I am pressing forward to the goal. I want the prize. I'm walking towards it. I'm forgetting what's behind me. I'm going out to grab it. And that's what's compelling him. So in other words, uh, don't dwell on where you are, but focus on kind of where you're going. It's so important. As opposed to my position, the right here, the right now, the failures, the sin, the stuff that I continue to do and I feel horrible about. 
What ultimately happens, if I get lost in my position, actually growth doesn't happen. I'm going to talk about that here this morning. Now, the first thing I'd say, and I'm not a big three-point guy. Those of you who hang out here week in and week out know that. But because of the time, I'm just going to throw three points out this morning. Um, but here it is. Growth is progress. Uh, it's, it's not perfection or even excellence. So this is a really big deal to me. Because when we talk about growth, when we talk about trajectory, when our church stepped down and said, our elders said, who are we as a church? And a year or so ago, we worked through our values. We wanted our values, if you heard us talk about it, is progress. Now, the other two words that we considered, or the one other word that we considered is this word up here, excellence. And the reason we didn't go with that word is because I don't think growth is about excellence. Because excellence, what is excellence? And I think excellence sometimes gets thrown out and confused with that word perfection. For example, let me give you a couple examples. Last week, we started for the very first time our video announcements. You saw them playing before the service. Now, we sat down as a staff, and we evaluated them this week. We just kind of talked about them. And I had a couple other people that I said, give us feedback on them. How's it going? So we look at it. Now, we got a whole list of things that were not good about those announcements. Got a whole list. One of which is, Adam, you have no neck. (laughs) Fair, right? I asked for the feedback. They gave it. So we said, we got to adjust the camera angle. You're kind of a big guy. Your neck is thick. And on top of that, these aren't high-def cameras, so we stretch it and squash it, and your neck just goes away. Now, I'm not sure as much we can do because cameras don't lie, right? But anyway, all that said, we lay out these things that that weren't good about it, but we're given high fives around the room. Why? Because it's progress. If we sat down and got consumed with our position, the stuff that's bad, the stuff that isn't good, the stuff that we can grow on, it actually hinders what we do. And we don't reach forward to where we're going. So growth is really about progress. It's not excellence. I'll share another one. It also leads to risk. And it tells you that failure can be embraced and learned from. I failed big time this week. Big time. I mean big time. I won't share the story. But I failed big time, middle of the week, in a meeting, in front of a lot of other people that care for me and love me. But I failed. Now, grace was extended. We worked through it there in that particular setting. Uh, Went home. My heart was gripped the next morning with unbelievable regret. I felt horrible. Now, when I talk about growth is about trajectory, not position, what we have a tendency to do is sit down in our position. I blew it. And I did blow it. It was sinful, what I did. I blew it. Now, for me to sit there and dwell in that position, guess what I was not going to be doing? Growing. I needed to step back and say, okay, does that define me? Well, sometimes it does. What I did, I have a tendency I can do at times. Not to that level. I haven't done it in a long time, but I can do So I'm not even talking about step back and see, is it a characteristic of my life? But more step back and say, who am I? Well, I'm in Jesus and he is in me. It's not go be like Jesus. I am. Jesus is in me. Go be who I am. And look at where I'm headed. And in that position, failure is embraced and learned from, forgiven, and you move forward. So again, growth is all about progress, trajectory. Um, The second one I throw out. Growth is focused on the mission, not only the numbers. I mean, we talk about Paul here, and he's talking about what's taking place in the world. He says there is this growth happening. It happens amongst you guys. It happens around the world. One of the things I find is sometimes we think about growth. We think about results. We think about the score. We think about numbers. Now, they're important. If you're going to win at something, you got to know what the score is. you got to measure something. I think numbers aren't to be ignored. 
I look at, I was, uh, I grew up on a farmette. We had fruit trees in our orchard and apples and pears and plums and cherries. And, and in the fall, we would harvest and we would, I'd always used to love lifting up the, the bay door, the garage door, and we'd look in and there was baskets full of stuff. We counted them. Why did we count? Because we wanted to know, are we fruitful? Now, here's the deal. I find too many Christians who use this statement. Well, God doesn't call us for numbers. He calls us merely to be faithful. I, don't f- I find that truth in Scripture, but I also find it married with God calls you and I to be fruitful and to bear fruit that will remain. And, th- and those of us that are not bearing fruit, it says he prunes and cuts back until we do bear fruit. So I think it's important to look at numbers, but, but focus on numbers brings death, and I don't think it brings life, and it ultimately doesn't bring growth. I mean, how many of you, if you work at a company that's all about the bottom line, how many of you are inspired at that company? I mean, how you go, yes, I get to go to work today. But in turn, when you study companies who understand that we are here to inspire, we make a difference in the world, and our product is this, and here's how our product helps, and, and here's the role that you play. When you come to work at a place like that, you're inspired. When you come into a church, it isn't just about counting heads and counting dollars, but it's saying, hey, this is the mission. We're involved in the world. You're inspired. And what ultimately ends up happening is growth, I think, kind of trickles out from that. So, again, don't ignore numbers. For example, when our fruit was not productive in the fall, it was important for us to step back. Did we not spray? Did we not prune right? Did we, or it could have just been out of our hands altogether. Maybe we had a drought that year and the apples didn't grow big. So, again, Focus on the mission, not the numbers, and I think you're going to find growth. The final thing I'd say, growth is honest. When you read these letters that Paul writes, you see honest, direct communication. He says it like it is. When he writes to the church at Corinth, he's honest. When he writes to other people, he's honest. And I think honest, growth is honest. I don't think you're going to grow. If you're not honest with yourself, you are not going to grow. I don't know how else to say it. I'm not going to grow. It comes to the reality of forgiven much is loved much. I think of the story, probably my favorite story in all the Bible, a prostitute comes to Jesus, and she's weeping at his feet and crying at his feet, and she's pouring out, and the religious people in the room are like, whoa, yikes, Uh, Jesus, if you knew who she were, you wouldn't be letting her touch you. And Jesus says back to these religious people who were not honest with their stuff, they were kind of walking around proud, like I've got it together. God loves me because of all that I've done. And he says back to him, she loves much because she understands she's been forgiven much. So growth is honest. See, there is a holy God in this. And see, sometimes I think when we talk about grace, we, we sometimes miss this. But there is a holy God, a creator, magnificent, unbelievable, mind-blowing God who has made you and wants a relationship with you. And when he looks down at you, he says, but there's a problem. It's called sin. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work to scrub it away and fix it yourself, it can't be done. And you know that. You still sense that it's there. When I blew it this week, I knew I had sinned and I had guilt and it was there. So he says, well, guess what you need? You need a savior. His name is Jesus. But to embrace Jesus, it starts with being honest. And when I'm honest, Jesus moves in and says, okay, let's take this now and move forward. It's all about trajectory. So again, being honest is so important. And then life happens because life begets life. I'm alive. And life begets life. Now, so growth is really all about my trajectory, not my position. I want to challenge some of you in this room. Some of the reason you're not growing is because you're so myopic and focused in on your failures. 
where you sit today. Be honest with where you sit today, but then get your heart and mind focused on who you are and where you're headed. And I promise growth comes as a natural result of that. And when the message of Jesus shows up, growth is the norm. Are you growing? Are we growing? It's the norm, not the exception. I have a cool privilege to introduce to you someone who is growing. (laughs) Uh, Not just growing, I think, in, in what's taking place, but growing just growing. It's uh, someone that we heard from LCMI. We partner with LCMI. I want to introduce you to someone shortly here uh, who with a ministry in Guatemala called Village of Hope, Carolyn Tweetmeyer. Uh, but before I do that, let me pray. When I pray, then you're going to see her video that's going to kind of play, kind of gives you a snapshot of some of the stories of what's taking place in Guatemala. And then Carolyn's going to be up on our stage and just want to let you let her share with you um, all that's just from her heart what's taking place. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for a church that loves well. Thank you for a church that embraces and understands grace and Jesus. Uh, God, help us to be a church then to continue. We we expect growth. It's normal. We look forward to it. God, we celebrate those in this room that are growing. And God, we call to others, and you do too, to say, hey, here my son is Jesus. Embrace him. Embrace him as the gift that he is, the Savior the life giver, the forgiver. He's full of grace and mercy. He didn't come into this world to judge and to condemn, but to save and to bring light and hope. And God, as we embrace him and we enter into relationship with him, God, we're changed. And God, our hearts are secured in heaven and we have a trajectory that's set for us that that brings life. Thank you for that. I got my prayers that every one of us in this room would experience that. Thank you so much for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Some of the children that come to us came from other institutions. We have one child who's HIV positive, and she was locked in a room for six years because of her positive status. We have other children who were beat up in in other institutions and they come to Village of Hope and, and they're scared to death. I have this scar because one of the other kids cut me with a knife. I was afraid they were going to kill me or hurt my daughter. They burned me with a firework, but I don't like to think about it. A lot of our kids have come out of institutional settings where we're the last hope, be it physical abuse, be it attempted murder, sexual abuse to the extremes. It's really sad and really difficult, and uh, we just want to offer the refuge that we can. The mission of Village of Hope is to provide a faith, family, and future to these children. We have nine children, four biological and five children through the miracle of adoption. Um, Two of our children are adopted from Guatemala, um, two from the U.S. foster system, and one from Ethiopia. 
We've known the blocks virtually for seven or eight years, and we have had just such an incredible opportunity to merge our very large families. I mean, it's not typical to have 15 kids and, and nine kids, and even though all of them didn't come with us to Guatemala, there's still a whole heck of a lot of kids. A lot of the reason that we've done what we've done, the way we've done it, is by listening to our own adopted children. Several of them are teenagers now and really able to verbalize the things they felt were missing for them, especially in an institutional setting. Through our experience of serving here in Guatemala, we saw a need for a fatherly figure in many of the children. Most children's homes will have just house mothers. And so we wanted to really invest in these kids and have fatherly figures to show them how a godly father should act. We are the Reyes family, and we are house parents at Village of Hope. Everyone in this house needs the support of male. We've seen that is really important. Like when we gather for devotion or he talk at the table. Sometimes even when I'm here, they are looking for him to have a father who can listen to them. We get two different types of children. Those who have never had a father in their lives and those who had a father but he abused them. So now they can have a different image of a male and they can see the role God has intended for a father to guide and love them. My name is Jessica. I'm 16 years old and my daughter's name is Ruby and she's a year and a half. I'm really happy here because I feel like I have a family. At the previous home, there were people in charge, but it wasn't like this where I have a mom and a dad who help me when I have problems. They helped me solve them. Me llamo David. My name is David, and I am 13 years old. This home is different from the other one because here I have a mom and a dad. I like it here because my dad teaches me how to work with him. When I grow up, I want to be like him. Christ crucified on our behalf is the center of all things at Village of Hope. And our absolute number one goal is to let these kids know um, how much God the Father loves them. These children that are coming to us are looking to have faith in something, and it's the perfect opportunity for us to show them by demonstrating who their father is, by loving them just the way they are. They have taught me a lot about God, and that when I'm scared or when I have problems, I can pray, and they've taught me that God loves me. Something really special happened this week during our devotion. I felt they need to know more about how Jesus died and how he gave his life for us. They all start to understand and say, wow, that's real love. That's something that we never experienced. And they began saying they want to give their lives to Jesus. One of the things we teach that even the older children that live at Village of Hope is how to not just take in blessings, but to be a blessing to others. They help us go out and they serve the food to the community. Um, they pray with the people. They get to know the people and they learn that they too have value. And no matter what they have or where they live, these people are important and it's, it's been such a beautiful thing to watch. I know there are a lot of people that need some of what we have, so I'm happy for the opportunities to be able to serve God. I don't do it just to make them happy, but because I know it makes God happy. 
their ages aren't going to matter. They're not forced to leave. We're with these kids as families. I mean, if we say we're family, then we're family. Families don't That's end right. at a certain age. So um, I guess kids that will grow up and eventually uh, want to leave us. Yeah, want to <laughs> want to have their own their own life out of Village of Hope. We hope that they will be life changers because that's that's you know world changers. That's what they're created to be. I know God has put me here for a reason, and I always have my parents here. I can't thank them and God enough for choosing this path for me. Our hope with these kids is to plant in them the idea that there is hope. There is something else they can do. So when they eventually live here, they can have jobs. The bottom line is that these kids now know they have a future, and these kids will be able to go and be figures and leaders in their communities and break that cycle that we've seen here in Guatemala. My name is Michelle, and when I grow up, I want to be a teacher. My name is Gustavo, and when I grow up, I want to be a policeman. My name is Jessica, and when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. My name is Anna, and when I grow up, I want to be a carrot seller. My name is David. My name is Elizabeth. My name is Carlos. And when I grow up, I want to learn a lot of languages so I can translate here and at other children's homes. And when I grow up, I want to be a firefighter. And when I grow up, I want to work in landscaping. My name is Jessica. And when I grow up, I want to be a lawyer. We are the village of hope, and we can change the world. So this is Carolyn, a lot of the heart behind and, and vision behind Village of Hope. And um, so welcome. Thanks for being here. And I know this kind of worked out good because you've been in town for the Orphan Summit or the, not the, yeah, that's, that's what it was it's officially called, another summit over at, um, over at uh, Calvary. First thing I'd love for you to do is just, uh, I feel like I know you really well. I've spent all week uh, online watching and learning all about what you do. But many people here don't know you. So could you just kind of share kind of a little bit of snippet there, just kind of who you are? And um, I know you have 15 kids, so maybe you could <laughs> talk just again, who you are, kind of your family. And, and that. Okay, yeah, I'm Carolyn Tweetmeyer. I'm married to Kyle. He's the pastor um, at Village of Hope and also head over, um, I keep saying security, but he kind of is, um, <laughs> construction. Um, and uh, like you said, we have, we have 15 children. 11 of our children are with us in Guatemala on the ground. Um, our family is comprised of seven kids born, you know, the regular way, and uh, eight by adoption. We have two sibling groups of three. Um, in each sibling group, one there's a child with HIV, and the other one, there's a child with AIDS. And that kind of led us to um, also adopt, uh, you know, God kept stretching us further and further. And um, we adopted two little ones with Down syndrome. One uh, we got at eight weeks old and uh, is three now and just a joy. And then the other one um, uh, was severely institutionally damaged uh, with Down syndrome as well. And, uh, and he's just an amazing miracle, too. So God has kind of built what he's building, um, essentially using our yeses, our dirty yeses. And I'll explain yeah. that in a little yeah. bit. Um, in, our, in our own family, God's, God's grown us that way to progress into things we never imagined. Yeah. Now, why don't you talk about your dirty yeses? Because I think um, as I was just learning a lot about just all that's taken place. A lot of it's kind of come from your story, uh, your, your, your adoption, stepping into that world and some of what you saw in Ethiopia and you guys just 
step today. This is what I have, and this is what we can do, and let's make a difference. So could you kind of talk about how, how that kind of started? Because I know Project Hopeful happened before Village of Hope, and so could you kind of it's just talk confusing. about how, how, how you got moving. Okay, and really what God did in our family was utilize the horizontal adoption to pound into us in the most beautiful way the reality of our vertical adoption. And, um, and then that spirit of adoption infiltration was unbearable in, in a way that it, it uh, made us realize that when we, ha- when we carry that with us and we step anywhere, that that orphan spirit cannot reign. So um, through this, initially before, you know, before the adoption thing came to light, um, you know, I didn't get it. I couldn't get my relationship this way with God when I didn't understand from a, a Jesus perspective, the horizontal thing. You don't, if you don't live that, you don't get it. You know what I mean? And I just didn't get it. So this was a lot of answer to prayer to that. So um, God initially, I was very uh, agoraphobic, very fright, fearful, very, yeah, I was a mess. I was a head case. But God called us to adopt, and the first step in that was giving a dirty yes, realizing that I'm a disaster area, but there's nothing I can do to change that. So I'm either going to operate in this comfortable, wait till I fix myself, no, that God cannot use, to that dirty yes that said, whatever you're asking, I'm going to do because, you know, I'm crazy that way. And um, so it started being, uh, being a house mom, you know, of seven children on the floor in my house at Joliet when God said you know, he had already said he wanted us to adopt, but I realized there was some serious stigma and, and um, immigration issues with HIV. And the more that God taught me about HIV and stigma and, and really what we've done as a culture of fear and, and hate, really, to people with HIV and yeah. especially children, defenseless children. So God said change the immigration process, and I was a person that didn't even know who my mayor was. <laughs> so... I had no idea how that would happen, and God just did a series of miracles of um, introducing me to a woman that came to me um, from Washington, D.C., that had already had, uh, she wrote the Children's Citizens Immigration Act of 2000. I thought she might work in her mother's basement. I didn't care. All I knew is she was in Washington, D.C., and I knew something had to be done there. I just wasn't sure what. And uh, her Bible study leader was one of the heads of the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, I actually had to know all these people by the names of the Lord of Rings characters. It was that top secret and that weird, and I didn't belong there. So Frodo himself actually um, changed the immigration process for us for, um, that was extremely long for children with autoimmune diseases sitting in third world orphanages. They're in very much danger of dying in long processes. And um, God used that to change everything in very comical and, you know, ways and, and ways that I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have weird titles before or after my name. I, I'm an MOM with my G-O-D. That's all. <laughs> That's who I am. So um, he, how he used nothing and built it into amazing things is the reality. So I always say, you know, you don't have, you don't have what it takes. Believe me. Nobody yeah. does. I don't yeah. care what's after your name or before your name. And your dirty yes is all that's important because he'll do amazing things. Well, that's awesome, Eric. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. I shared first service, too. I'm going to think I'm going to put it on Facebook this week, a link to the the video with you on the Today Show a number of years ago, because I think it captures, it didn't capture all the heart behind it, but it laid the story out beautifully and how, you, that was your second adoption. Right. Um, and, and what it kind of, what it did to kind of open up your journey too. So it, 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 it was, it was huge. And there's a lot to that story, especially, you know, God, when I asked him to show me the reality of what he's doing this way, when we react this way. And, um, and he went down to the blood. I, I'm sure you saw yeah. that part that yeah. where my daughter, Sayla, in the end stage of AIDS, 
wasn't able to travel because yeah. her they told me she was going to die. She's not going to survive. She was 32 years old at 11, or 32 pounds at 11 years old mm. and would not survive a flight, and they won't give blood to AIDS patients. So God took this so far for me personally. It's, it's so personal and so beautiful um, to where the only way she could get on an airplane is if by some remote chance my blood was a match for hers and how he matched my blood from here to Ethiopia for this one little girl who is now the voice for many, many children with mm. HIV and children that wait with HIV, AIDS actually, um, is miraculous. My blood was put yeah. into her body and in one time, they told me it would take all week, but God even did that detail. He said it yeah. took once that her blood was good enough to get her on a plane and get her home. That's awesome. I, I love it. Just it was moving as I watched it this, this past week. Uh, now, the motto at Village of Hope, so this has all progressed, and you start to kind of move things forward with Village of Hope. It's a little different model. So could you kind of talk about the model and then kind of the motivation behind it? Okay. Um, really just listening to our older children, God gave us this, this beautiful way to just hear, to listen, and to move. Um, our kids started to convey as they got older um, the damage that institutions, institutional settings were doing to them. And we were asking them, after, after Project Hopeful had been moving for a while now, and we have been moving in ministry and trying to figure out the best ways to do things, best, best practice and everything else, best practice is scripture, and the kids knew it better than we did, because they were like, we, we just, it would have been better first if we stayed with our own mom. So we thought, okay, what do we need to do to make that happen for more children? How can they stay with their own families? How do we come alongside of families um, to enable them to, to themselves to live first, because a lot of our kids' parents died, and then, um, then to, to enable them to keep their children. That was a big thing. So we planted part of that in the Village of Hope. That's our Hope Positive program. Um, and then it was... Uh, um, that they themselves in an institutional setting didn't feel like anybody recognized them, didn't know who they were, nobody was invested in them, nobody tucked them in, nobody told them they were important or valuable or who Jesus was to them. Or, they would, or people like us would come there and tell them for five minutes who Jesus was and feel really good about it, but then leave these kids in a spiritual nightmare, like, okay, I know about that, but now there's no one to walk alongside them sure. anymore. No sure. mom and dad. That was the big thing. And Hello, after all those years of trying to get it right, Scripture says he sets the lonely in families and he gives the desolate homes in which to dwell. So we thought, well, that's probably pretty important. It's coming out of them and it came out of him first. So we created a model that way where our, our kids are raised in family-like settings. They eat dinner. They do the whole family thing. The parents, if they're in school, go to school with them. They're, they're their cheering section. They're their mom and their dad. So even if these kids can't be adopted um, internationally, which they cannot, uh, there's ways there's ways to convey this and to do this from a biblical sense, and we're yeah. seeing that the, the yeah. results of that. Now, as I shared, um, I shared first, or I'll share again for everyone's benefit and even yours, the history here, um, even long before I even came, because I've been to church four years, is the missions program has been working very hard. There used to be an upwards of, I heard numbers of 50, 60 missionaries that were supported, which was kind of the model from the 50s, 60s, 70s, into the 80s. And churches just support lots of missions. And we said, well, let's keep our dollar figure the same. Let's bring that number down as small as we can possibly get it and support those who are like-minded. So we kind of see it, it's like an extension of us around the world. And so we've been on this journey, and you spoke so beautifully to that heart 
Uh, matter of fact, you don't even like our word partnership that we use, <laughs> which you spoke, and that's fine. Go ahead and share that too. But just that, so how can we, I won't say partner, but what, what is it that we can do? Because um, you're one of the ministries that we've been evaluating for last year, now introducing to the people to say, hey, this is like LCMI where we go and then see as an extension, but here's a ministry in Guatemala that, that man, feels like it's, we're at home with. So what can, what's the number one thing we can be doing to support, encourage from, from the church side of it? Okay, God spoke to us very clearly um, before we went. But now living there is a whole different view for me. If I was just doing this from the sidelines, I don't think I would have seen things as clearly. But he's really spoken relationship to us. You know, one of the things, and this might sound terrible, but it's, it's been a real reality for us in a lot of the things we see. We do not have a petting zoo we do not have a photo op at Village of Hope. We're family there. And we really want people that are invested and love us and love our kids and, and want to come alongside of us truly in relational aspect, in, in a family aspect. We are family up there. I think that while I'm sitting there, I'm envisioning uh, the We Are Family song. Who yeah, is that? Yeah. Sister Sledge or something? Yeah. I don't know who sang that song. <laughs> um, but, like, we need to do a video that We Are Family, you know, a parody of it with our and, – and, that's really what it is there, and we don't want to cheapen that, that relational and that family aspect. So we really, um, as I've been, you know, listening to all of you and, and watching and even worshiping and watching, um, I want to go to India now. That's a whole other story. My husband's going to be like, woman. Um, <laughs> anyway, as watching you guys talk and then um, uh, uh, and hearing your sermon and that Jesus plus nothing, and just, just it comes together. And I just, from, from just this perspective here of all of you people, um, that it would be such a treasure to us to have you come alongside one of our families, just one of our families, and, and to know them and to pray for them and to know the kids that come in and out and to just to believe in them and believe for them and actually come, with, come to our village you know, on a regular basis yeah. and, and break bread with us and, and be a part of us. Not, you know, I keep saying we don't want to run a bed and breakfast there because that's kind of what it started to feel like. Like, this isn't right. You know, we don't hear from everybody for you. They come once, they come in, you know, once and then they want to come a year later. And then, sure. but there's nothing in between. And that's not family. Yeah. That's like a vacation in a weird way yeah. and a photo op and a petting zoo. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, that's not what we want. We, we want sure. your friendship and your you know, everything. So yeah. come bring us everything. That's really <laughs> what we want. <laughs> no, and that, that is when you shared that first service, I mean, I caught piece of it and the missions committee clearly knew that and we're sharing that. So I want to thank you for that because that's what we are looking for. That's what we want to be and do. And as we want to grow into that, and we don't always know what it looks like. So I guess we're giving our dirty yes too. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, thanks so much for sharing. I know you're going to be hanging around here. So if, again, feel free to grab Carolyn, talk with her. And again, I'll be posting some more stuff this week, um, pre-surgery, make sure it gets out there so they can just kind of catch a little more about you too. So can, can I, I one more yeah, absolutely. Quick, if you don't mind, just so you know too, that um, at the village, we don't believe we have orphans there and we don't let that verbiage even cross their ears after you cross the threshold of uh, a village of hope because even in one of our kids who was pictured there um she was locked away for six years in an institution that literally drove her clinically insane um to where she is she's a hot mess but she was able to convey in words and writing about things that had deeply hurt her um and why she felt like she was in the in the condition she's in and we would throw it into the fire and the one thing she would say, um, more importantly than anything else, was that, um, that, and what hurt her the most, was that she was called an orphan. 
And uh, I'm not going to cry this time. <laughs> I'm going to keep it dry for this <laughs> service. Um, and I want to convey to you that even in that sense of these kids, and, and a child is literally insane. She cannot, she can't function. That her spiritual DNA says, I'm not an orphan. And how important that is for us as a family. I'm going to do it anyway. For right. us as a family and for people that become part of our family is in churches and, and in yep. mission in the missions um, that that we as people do not convey that orphan spirit on anyone and that we who carry the spirit of adoption don't step anywhere where that orphan spirit feels comfortable yep. so don't speak it and walk in the spirit of adoption and we're going to change the world yep. awesome thank you for sharing that. let me pray for you God thanks so much for um, Carolyn I just, just her heart, her family, her husband, um, God, thank you. Thank you for just the challenge that even uh, speaks to my heart, the dirty yes, just stepping out and saying, hey, um, I'm going to follow, I'm going to lay myself down like the song we sang earlier, and I'm yours. Um, God, thanks for the Village of Hope. Continue to bless Carolyn and her husband and, and the Block family there. Continue to bless their leadership. Uh, strengthen and encourage them for the days that lie ahead, and may doors continue to open. Uh, it's been exciting to see the growth that's taking place uh, as they've embraced the journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. We're going to close here in just a second with a song. I want to kind of sum up this whole, this whole morning by saying again, <clears throat> when the message of Jesus shows up, growth is the norm, not the exception. Um, Really believe that to your core. And the reason I think that is, is um, when I understand who I am in Jesus, and when you understand who you are in Jesus, not only that you're in Jesus, but he is in you, it brings life. And life begets life. And we know, I've shared this before, you know this, <clears throat> we know this. When you, when you have a cool recipe that brings you pleasure and joy, what do we do with it? We tweet. We put it on Facebook. We can't wait to bake it for the next get-together, the next family that's coming over because it brings us joy, and we want to share the things that bring us joy. When your kids do something cute, when something happens in life, when you go somewhere, you experience something, we want to share the things that we love, and that's how it is with Jesus. When Jesus takes residence, when I realize I'm no longer an orphan, when I am now a child of God because I am in Jesus and he is in me, it begets life. Because I have joy and I can't wait to share. So here at Bethany, I mean, we're all about introducing people to Jesus, embracing as family, and then growth. Growth is just the expectation uh, that comes from that. So, again, really want to just close us in prayer here. The team's going to sing. As I close in prayer, I uh, want to mention, too, I talked about it earlier, this is the time when the tear-off will be collected. So if you haven't taken time already, just reach in your bullets in there, rip that thing off, say hello. Uh, maybe Jesus has done something in your heart this morning. We'd love to hear about it. Maybe this morning you said, hey, I want to be a child of God, and you put that together this morning. We'd love to hear that, too, share prayer requests. Um, but, again, then we're going to take our offering during, this, during the song, too. I want to mention, too, I say this every week, so if you're here every week, I just want to get this into our hearts. The offering is for those of you who call Bethany home. And it's a very intimate act of worship because what it's doing, it's saying, I don't hold on to, I open up. And C.S. Lewis says it so well, we don't ever have what we don't give away. And so some of us hold on to our money so tight, but money is just an opportunity for us to say, God, thank you for what you've given to me. I'm giving back just a portion of what you've asked me to take care of here in this earth. 
So again, that'll take place here too. So as you worship and kind of work through that in your own heart, um, the ushers will come through. Uh, take offering and then also want to just put your tear off there. But let me pray for us. Why don't you stand? We're going to pray, sing, and uh, head home. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for the stories we heard this morning of growth, of growth around the world. And God, I know there's growth taking place here in, in so many lives here in East Earl. Uh, so thank you for that. We celebrate that. Uh, God, just thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Come set your own.